On today's episode of Feeding the Family, we're talking about putting family meals first with nutritionist Dr. Carrie Heineman. Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing, and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Saxena. On today's episode, we're talking about family meals. We're joined by our guest, Dr. Carrie Heineman. She's a nutritionist out of Northern California and the creator of the website and Instagram, Family Meals First. Well, thanks for joining us, Carrie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So, you know, we connected over the wonderful Instagrams, and I'm so excited we did. And um, so a little bit about you. So you're a mom of four kids. Correct. And how old are your kids? So I have a daughter who's 14 and she starts high school next (gasps) year, which um, she's very ready for. But mom is a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. (laughs) And then I have three boys that are 12, 10 and 7. Okay, so you're you're kind of living my same life, but like flipped. So I have three boys. My oldest is 13, going to be 14 in August, and then mm-hmm. um, 11 and 9, and then my daughter is 7. So I very much relate to you. I feel like we're in the same like momming space right now. Absolutely, and it is a unique and crazy space, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love it. And then in addition, obviously, to all that comes with raising your kids and all that goes on at home you also you have a PhD in nutrition yeah and um it sound and since your second was born it sounds like you've been staying at home but then also sort of working finding ways to sort of use your knowledge um and sort of keep this passion alive and how have you been doing that yeah so um just backtrack about um, 14 years ago, I was working at UC Davis and I was research faculty and um, my role was to set up nutrition and garden programs in low income schools all over Northern California. And I really loved my job. Um, And then we had our first child and for about a year, I commuted in one direction and my husband commuted in another direction and we left our daughter um, in daycare where we lived. And so I did it for about a year. And then I finally just realized that for us and through a tearful phone call with the advice nurse, where I totally broke down, (laughs) that it just wasn't the right fit for us, that I just couldn't keep that balance. My husband had a really high powered job and I couldn't also be in a very high powered job. Um, So I was really fortunate that we could take a little break, but um, I've been super passionate about nutrition. I really love the field and I have found but it's even more important as a mom because I feel like there's so much bad information out there that as moms, we don't really have a reputable source to turn to aside from the pediatrician that we only get to see occasionally. And sometimes the pediatrician may not have the answer to your question, right? Because they really are focused more on the medical aspect of things rather than the nutrition side of things. So I've really been passionate about educating moms. I have, um, 
a blog on Instagram where I share like daily tips to try and help people when they go to the store have informed decisions to empower them to be able to say like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't buy this yogurt because it has so much added sugar or maybe we should try and eat more fruits and vegetables, but I'm not going to feel bad if my kid is not really into it, right? I'm just going to keep offering it. So um, yeah. I love it. I love everything about that. Um, I can relate to it. I think a lot of people can relate to it. All of it from sort of these decisions we all have to make as families in terms of balancing careers and family life. And, um, you know, we've talked about this. I've talked about this with other parents on episodes. You know, you no matter, I feel like, the decision, there's benefits and drawbacks. And there's always those moments yeah. where you, um, you know, have this this like question, like, am I doing the right thing? Um, you know, you work so hard to advance in your career. And then obviously, you know, you're prioritizing this time that you have with your children. Um, so it's difficult decisions, but I think it's really cool to talk to people who, you know, kind of take creative ways to try to balance both, you know, like there'll always be days where we're kind of struggling. But I think that when you can kind of find these ways to say, you know, I can still work within my sphere of passion and, you know, feel like I'm doing what's best for or what works for our family. So I think that's really cool. Um, and then you talked about sort of your early days. Uh, you said working sort of with like low income schools. And um, I remember, I think I, I read maybe on your Instagram or your website, some great story about like whole chickens. Can you share that story with us? Because I, I found it very humorous. So my first job when I was in graduate school, right, because at a graduate school, as a graduate student, you have no money. And so they give you these jobs on the side, right? Teaching jobs and education jobs where you can kind of make a little bit of an income so you can um, support yourself while you're doing research, right? So I worked for the Food Stamps Nutrition Education Program. So um, Food Stamps gets allotted so much money every year. And at the end of the year, if they have surplus, they dump it into this education program, which is actually super beautiful because it teaches people who are eligible for food stamps about nutrition. So it gives them ways to make um, smart decisions at the grocery store, right? So um, my first job was to teach women how to prepare food affordably, right? And so I was supposed to teach them how to you know, buy a whole chicken and make soup and buy all these fruits and vegetables and cut them up from scratch. And I mean, these things took a lot of time, right? And so it was kind of ironic because, you know, here I am in my mid twenties without children telling people that they should spend hours in the kitchen every day. And now looking back on it, I'm like, I don't have time to, you know, I need to prepare things that are affordable, but that I also can take shortcuts um, in the kitchen, right? So right. Um, I'm all about smart shortcuts and affordable shortcuts and much more, um, have much more moved into the plant-based arena as well. Um, so yes. I love that story too, because I also very much related to that. Like I have said, you know, in my life as a pediatrician before kids, I used to give people yes. um, what I thought was a lot of sound advice. Uh, and I mean, it wasn't incorrect. Like you're right, you know, sure. good nutrition, uh, very economical to do things that way, but maybe not practical for real family life. So I do always feel like it's so great, you know, kind of once you get that sort of experience and wisdom from like firsthand in the trenches life, you start to realize like all those things where I was like questioning, like, why can't people just do this? 
it's like, oh yeah, you know? So <laughs> so I think that bringing that sort of more real life um, perspective to sort of yes. the advice that you're trying to help families with um, is actually quite beneficial. Um, because I think the other thing, like you had said, there's so much information on the internet, some very useful, um, some not so much. And some of it, I think, makes those of us when we're, we're in, in real life feel like we're failures. Because it's like, why can't I, you know, spend hours cooking a whole chicken to make soup? Well, you know, maybe, maybe that's just mm. not prioritized, or, you know, or it's just really not like, it just doesn't make sense for your real life. So I I love that story. I think it's so ironic because I do feel like, you know, when we're in our 20s and we're getting our education, um, we do feel like, you know, I don't understand. I also remember, um, you know, thinking as I was learning about nutrition that pregnancy, right, pregnancy cravings were really just women kind of feeling like, oh, they were pregnant. And so then they could, you know, make an excuse to um, have these things. And I can tell you with my first pregnancy, all I wanted was diet root beer. And I can <laughs> tell you any nutritional benefit to having diet root beer. But I mean, I used to dream about it. And I dream about how my husband used to get it. And even though I know it's not good for so many reasons, I would allow myself once a week to have it because I just like, I needed that diet root beer. Yeah, <laughs> totally. My son, my first, my oldest, I craved like soft serve vanilla ice cream, like crazy. And like, I don't know if they have Dairy Queen where you live, but like Dairy yes, Queen, you do. know, yeah, when they make it and they put the little swirl on top. And I used to have dreams that his little head would come with like a swirl on top when he was born because I was like, he's got to be mostly ice cream because that's all I wanted to eat. So it's legit. When you're in it, you're like, oh, okay, this is what they were talking about. Now I get it. Now I get it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So your blog and your social accounts, um, the name of that is Family Meals First. Correct. Yep. And how did you arrive at this name or where did that come from? So I believe that as a parent, right, that um, you can only have so many priorities, right? And there's no right answer. Like we were talking about the juggle between work and family, right? I have so many female friends and male friends that are all doing the juggle differently and they've found their own way to figure that out. But I feel like as new parents, we are kind of told that you have to do everything, right? And as we get older, we realize that um, that's not the case as we get more advanced in our parenting. So um, I really want to encourage parents to make family meals a priority. And um, I'm also passionate about educating people on the fact that family meals don't mean a perfect Pinterest-worthy meal. I mean, I just posted something the other day. My youngest, I offer him fruits and vegetables with every meal. He eats fruit like a champ as long as I you know, cut off the skin and prepare it exactly how he wants to. If my mom does it when we visit her, it's not okay. He won't eat it. But... Um, <laughs> You know, we had peanut butter um, on a whole wheat English muffin, and he had a teeny bit of a carrot and then some um, cherries and watermelon, right? Like, so not fancy, somewhat messy, but it was still a healthy meal. And we had a great conversation about, um, he's really into um, dragons right now. So we talked about dragons and um, how excited he was about it. And we spent time together and made memories, right? You know, and with Mm -hmm. all my kids, we all, you know, even my oldest got in um, talking about dragons and what she remembers. So, um, you know, making the space and the time and also knowing that your family meal doesn't have to look like somebody else's family meal, right? Like 
Maybe you can only do it once a week. Maybe you like to do it at breakfast time instead of dinner time, right? Um, just making it a priority and figuring out how to make that priority work for your family. You're speaking my love language for sure. Um, because I think that that like that tagline alone like really attracted me because I think you're exactly right. And especially as somebody, um, granted, I kind of like grew up more through the medical route of nutrition, which is probably sure. not as uh, specific as the work that you did. But I think that you come at it a lot of times like a lot of dietitians and things I've talked to as well. It it you come at it from a very prescriptive, like here are the things you should be eating for optimal health, like this is, and I was always very interested, like, oh, what's the best type of diet to be following? Like, what are the best components? And I think that yes. those things are very important. And I love, um, you know, on your Instagram, you like to do these little snippets where you just share these little facts, you know, about um, certain nutrients or certain fruits or vegetables and, you know, the benefits and things that come with that or just little pieces of education that are sort of in a digestible format um, where you can become a more informed eater and more informed consumer. But um, I love the idea of family meals first because what I had to learn, um, I guess kind of the hard way, is it's like all of that information is really irrelevant if you know you can't actually have your kids eating any of these foods. And um, you know, we've done we've done other episodes and talked so much about the benefits of family meals, which obviously include a better nutrition profile and lower risks of a lot, you know, obesity and eating disorders and things like that, but go far beyond that in terms of just, you know, creating resilient children with fewer risk factors for, you know, drug use and alcohol use and behavior issues and all of those things. So it's like, you know, focus on that first and that just provides you with this framework that not only gives you all these sort of outside the diet benefits, but then creates that format where you're more likely to have your kids eating a good variety of foods. You're more likely to, um, you know, have them more willing to try things and things of that nature. So I love that because I think that that's something that in a lot of what we see as parents is kind of missing. And if we can't focus on that first, um, I feel like for the most part, you're kind of destined to fail because, you know, kind of like with my patience early on before I really felt like, oh, I need to focus on how we approach that. Again, I would be frustrated because it would be like, well, you know, we all know that these things are good for you. Why why can't we eat them? And it's like, well, you know, first you got to start with the basics. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Another thing that I really like to tell clients and I post occasionally on my feed is that some is enough, right? Because I feel like, um, a lot of people that I work with and have conversations with, they feel like it's all or nothing, right? Yes. They can't provide the perfect meal if they can't do family meals seven days a week. Mm. If they, um, you know, can't have their child eating vegetables um, all the time, then they just give up, right? Then they're like, well, my child will only eat goldfish, right? And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm telling you, I can't, can't even count the number of meals that I have put on the table where my kids are like, oh, that's not really my favorite. I'm, you know, or they'll take a bite of something and then they're like, I like this, but I'm happy with just one. Uh, they're so kind. Like if nothing else, you can be like, well, at least I'm raising polite children because they're really thinking like, ew. I mean, right? Yes, exactly. So um, it just, it's, you know, it's really the long game that we're looking for, right? And if you keep offering those things, I mean, 
some kids it's going to be like giant leaps all of a sudden and other kids it's just going to be slowly ticking away i mean i've talked about my youngest but um he finally can now eat one pea without gagging <laughs> so like <laughs> i mean and he's seven right and i He's been treated the same way as all my other kids. I mean, aside from COVID, right? I feel like I was sure. maybe a little more generous with him during that. But um, but he just, you know, he just feels things more strongly. And I feel like he tastes things um, maybe a little bit more, has maybe a little more sensitive palate, right? Um, and so we just, we just keep offering and doing our best. And I just know that in the long haul, he knows it's important. And I just hope that he will come around. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> well, I'm sure that he will. Um, and I think you you hit on a lot of good points too. I think especially when you have multiple kids, uh, I feel like I've noticed the same thing is, you know, you start to feel like you really start to see how some things are just so inherent in people because you kind of feel like, well, you guys have same genetics. You're growing up at the same home. You know, we all eat together. And yet, you know, you can have some kids that are just more, I think, just innately open to trying new flavors or accepting new foods and textures, and it just comes easier or more natural to them. And then other kids that, like you said, are just more sensitive to either tastes or textures. Um, but the key being, you know, with those repeated exposures, even if it's just you know, seeing them on their plate or giving it a try. Uh, you know, it really do, like you said, you know, even if you're getting to seven and you can finally eat one pea, um, you know, I think that that's the progress that helps us to become like adults that are able to accept and enjoy more foods. And peas might not never ever be his favorite, but at least he won't like, you know, have to gag when he's, you know, eating at a dinner party and there are peas in the food or anything. So so I think that that's, that's huge. And I, so many things you've said, you know, this idea of the all or nothing thinking, I think it's really easy to get into that. Um, and if you're thinking, if I can't do this perfectly, if I can't do family meals every night, if they're all not scratch cooked, um, if my kids won't eat, you know, the kale that I serve them, uh, you know, just forget it you know, I, this just isn't for me because I'm bad at it or we're just not that family. And I love, you know, just this idea that no, you know, it's just really about meeting yourself where you are, making some progress and saying, you know, where I'm at is fine. And um, is there something that I would like to be a little bit better? And what are like the baby steps we can take as a family to move in that direction? And I think that that's just, it's hard because I think it, that, type of thinking is very prevalent at least now and I, f I feel like I mean myself I fall victim to it you're kind of like well if I can't be all in then maybe this just isn't for me and it's like you know the real success comes in the progress that we make so besides the family meals and the and the focus on family meals first what how else would you say that your nutrition advice differs from a lot of the advice that parents might see out there so um, one, I feel like there are a lot of people out there. Um, I know this is true in California and the regulations vary by state, but in California, you do not have to have a degree in nutrition to give out nutrition advice and to call yourself a nutritionist, right? So as a nutritionist, um, I know that people with an RD, a master's or a PhD um, or a pediatrician, right, are really the people that you want to turn to. But when you're on things like Instagram or YouTube or TikTok, there are a ton of people out there calling themselves nutritionists that have read one book or have had one experience. And so they don't have the educational background 
to be able to apply what they have learned from their own experience to people who are not the same as them. Um, and so I think that's super confusing, um, you know, um, and you don't, it's hard to know what, where people are coming at it from, right? So um, my information is not only based on, you know, fact and research, but um, it's also based on experience. So I feel like, you know, the combination of the two, I'm really coming at it with um, all sides, right? I've got not just one kid, I've got four kids, so I can speak to raising. I mean, my oldest son is so thin and I cannot ever feed him enough. Whatever I feed, put in front of him, <laughs> he will cobble up, whether it be vegetables or bread or um, fruit, whatever it is. Um, and then I have picky eaters and then I have two that are kind of in between, right? Um, and then I have a husband who's from Northern Minnesota. Um, and, you know, I follow a plant-based diet at this point, but um, my husband will not um, give up meat and dairy. So, um, you know, I also meet him in the middle and we eat largely plant-based as a family, but, um, I think we might get divorced if I, <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how passionate we all are about our food though. Right. It's like, I mean, it's so true. It's so right. Important. I mean, so we just kind of work together and I, you know, I truly believe it's all, um, that plants are the best sorts of nutrients. Um, but right again, the reality is that like being super restrictive and um, controlling is not the best attitude towards food, right? Because food is also about enjoyment. Um, it's about being together and there's so many things that come along with it, right? So even though I think sometimes as um, nutritionists even that we like to be very reductive, like you were saying and say like, it's just about the nutrients, but unlike anything else, food is, entwined in so many different aspects of our life right and then finally everybody eats right yeah. i'm like not everyone is giving medical advice every day right mm -hmm. and not everyone is a car mechanic right but everybody eats so i think it's so much easier for people to feel like they can give advice on things because they do it every day right so they're they feel like they're an expert right um but the reality is like nutrition is so much more complicated even i mean you know, we talk about diabetes, right? That, I mean, we have known about the disease of diabetes for centuries, right? Yeah. But um, we still don't know very much about how to control it through diet, right? I mean, we've made advances, but um, we're learning more and more about how different genomes can impact um, responses to different nutrients, right? So um, the field of nutrition is moving in leaps and bounds, but there's still a lot that we don't know. So if you follow like just current advice from someone who is not looking at the research, you may get the wrong answer. I think that's so funny that you mentioned that too, because it is kind of one of those things that you like feel like by now we should have figured out better than we do. Um, yes. You know, considering people have been eating since like the beginning of people. And, uh, you know, even back, you know, it was like, food is thy medicine, like this is not a new yeah. concept. And yet, you know, even within our own lifetime, I always like to laugh about like the low fat, uh, I always call it like the snack wells generation where it was like eat yes. all these like low fat cookies that you want because fat is the enemy. And then you turn a few years forward and then we have like, all you need, you know, here's fat bomb coffee. And it's like, this is hilarious that like, this is where we're at. And these are all like totally promoted ideas within just my little lifetime here. So, you know, I think 
that's that's a good uh, point to bring up is that sort of these fads or these, um, you know, whatever's popular today uh, and then tomorrow might be considered like the worst diet on the planet. Um, you know, sometimes I think it's better to just like say, well, you know what you're what your grandma and your great grandma were suggesting. Yes. A lot of times it was just sort of this like old, you know, family wisdom before we had all of this media that I think people started to understand what made them feel good, what gave them the energy that they needed. They counted on that. Um, and it's just a more intuitive process, I think, where, you know, you didn't see them overthinking it so much um, because they just didn't even realize maybe that what they could be doing would be right or wrong. So, um, I think that some of that, like you said, people feel like experts because there's there's just some intuitive nature in us as humans to kind of uh, know what we should or shouldn't be eating and the quantities we should and shouldn't be eating. The unfortunate part, I think, now is we have, you know, so many things kind of working against us in terms of our media diet. And then, you know, you get the added complication of things like processed foods um, that literally kind of trick our bodies a little bit into understanding what it's getting and I think can kind of for for lack of a better description sort of scramble the messages that our brain and our body are receiving um, and how we can interpret that and and try to still be intuitive eaters so I think it's just a little bit more complicated but it is sort of funny that like I mean by now you feel like we should be like this is this is it and we know it <laughs> I mean, I think people don't realize how complex it is to do a well-controlled nutrition study, right? Because mm -hmm. um, if they're doing a recall study, that means that people are required to remember what they ate, you know, for up to a week or a month um, before, right? And I'm going to be honest, I can barely remember what I have for breakfast, right? Right. And a controlled trial is super expensive and you've got to bring people into a research unit. So they've got to, you know leave their life behind for a week or two. So that's very complicated. If you're looking at forward studies and looking at outcomes like cancer or heart disease, those can take decades to develop, right? So mm -hmm. um, the time and money, and then you put in the genetic differences, right? Um, and then also, like you said, processed food. I mean, even just going to the basics of, you know, if there's sugar and salt in a packaged food, right? the sugar is gonna mask the salt and the salt's gonna mask the sugar. So you may not even realize how much sugar or sodium is in a packaged food, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's just so much more complex than we ever thought it would be. So, but on that note too, like I, I talk mm -hmm. about, you know, the, sh the complications that come from the amount of processed foods we all have in our diet. That said, we have processed food at our house for sure. For sure. Um, and so I also love this idea where um, the angle that you come at all of this is an idea of no food shaming or and not making any foods, you know, this is bad, this is off limits. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think it's really important for kids to know that there are no bad foods, right? Food isn't good or bad, food is fuel. And if you come at it from that approach, I think you have such a healthier attitude, right? So just like your car, right? You want to put the best fuel in your car. But if, if you can you afford it right trip, now, but if you can, I mean, right, let's be honest, or if you're on a road trip, right? And you're in the middle of nowhere and there's a gas station that is selling, you know, gas, but it's not the grade that you would want. You're going to go with that gas. Right? <laughs> That's great. I mean, yeah. And then, you know, also, right, if you're, um, 
let's say uh, on a trip and you want, you know, that corn dog, right? Like, which, you know, I'm not a big believer in corn dogs, but you know, like if it's really important to you and you're dreaming about that corn dog, you're dreaming about your diet root beer that, um, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to occasionally, but most of the time you want to put good fuel in your body. And I think it's so important for kids to hear that at a young age, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm a big believer in them learning how to manage it, right? Because there's new products. I mean, my husband this week came in with an ad. It was a new um, Reese's product where it was like a Reese's, a Ritz cracker, and some like marshmallow all in one thing. And I was thinking like, oh my gosh, right? But, um, you know, if he gets that and my kids really want to try it, I'm going to let them try one, right? Because um, they need to be able to experience it, right? But then for dinner, I'm going to serve our fruit and our vegetable and our whole grains, right? So that Mm -hmm. they're eating nutritiously most of the time. But, um, you know, soda is another thing that we talk about all the time. I now have a teenager, right? Mm -hmm. And when she goes to events, they always have soda. And we've talked about how, you know, if she wants to fit in, if she really would like to have a little bit, that's totally fine, right? She's at a party, right? But I don't buy soda at home, right? And we don't drink it at home. So, um, you know, and she honestly has come back to me recently and said, you know what, mom, I really don't even like it. Like it just does not. Now, one of my sons really does like it, right? So if he's at a birthday party, he has that. But again, we talk about how, you know, maybe then you don't want to have soda and cake and cookies, right? Like let's make some smart choices. But occasionally he's going to do that too. And then he doesn't feel good. And we talk about that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe you are feeling a little sluggish. Right. And that's because you don't, your body doesn't have the fuel that it needs today. Right. But you know, nutrition and diet is a long-term race, right? You're running a marathon. You're not running a sprint. So um, I think people really need to understand that any one day is not a reason to give up on things. Right. That, um, you know, Christmas, enjoy the holiday and be with your family. And if you go to someone's house and there's not the perfect meal that follows with your um, dietary plan, that's okay, you know? And maybe next year, bring a dish that you know you can eat, right? But also don't feel bad about um, occasionally having a bite of something or enjoying the milkshake or um, having the brownie, right? it's a marathon and life and food is also about enjoyment, right? And if you are so restrictive, then again, I think that's where you see people be so restrictive and then be like, I can't do this anymore. I need to have a whole cake, right? Or I'm just gonna eat pizza for the weekend and then I'll start on Monday, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that again, um, it really has to be a long-term strategy. Um, These short-term diets we see over and over again, whatever type of diet they are, They work temporarily, but they're not really um, plans that you can live with for your life. Um, And you really need a sustainable strategy that you can live with, that the people that are the healthiest are eating healthy most of the time. Yeah. Well, I think that you hit on a lot of great points there as well, because, um, you know, what seems like kind of keeping these more rigid rules or uh, restrictions within your family, I think, can seem like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. You know, my kid has, you know, he's five years old and he's never had any added sugars or or however, you know, it feels like that might be a good thing. But I think like you said, the more restrictive or super rigid, you know, that's where we start to really start to create these sort of emotional issues, I think also around food. When you start to take things away, you know, it becomes like sort of this forbidden fruit. And that's where you get these behaviors where you'll see kids, you know, when they get out of the house and they, you know, are binging on sugar because it's like, you know, uh, 
I never get this at home and this is wonderful. And then you also get then, you know, this other part where they're like, oh, but this is bad food. Maybe I'm a bad person or this is something I should hide and not let anyone know that I'm doing. And, you know, when you translate that to adult behavior and we see this kind of behavior in adults all the time and I start to think, well, these were the roots of it. And they probably came from a place where somebody was trying to do something really good for that child. Um, And that's the other thing, like I never want to make parents feel bad where they're like, oh, you know, I've been really rigid and restrictive and I thought it was doing a good thing. Well, that came from almost all of the things I think that kind of end up creating what end up being sort of bad habits as adults a lot of times came from places of parents just being concerned and loving and it just sort of being misinformed about the way that they're doing, you know, everything from these restrictive diets to, you know, having just only feeding your child the the small list of foods so that they'll eat it, you know, because you don't want them yeah. to waste away. And I think that all of those behaviors, again, it just comes from a place of love. So again, I'm always like, give yourself a break. You you are only doing this because you cared about your child. It's And sometimes yes. the approach, like you said, it's a long play. So in the day, it might not feel like the right thing to do. You have to take this sort of like broad lens approach and say, but if this is the pattern of behaviors we're creating, what does that look like as an adult? Now, I have found that usually it's not that hard because you're like, I know exactly what this looks like as an adult. Um, And so I think that that's a a huge point and I think that that's a huge differentiator in the work that you're doing Um, because even, you know, on my own, I'm sure we have similar like social media feeds once you get into this food life. Um, You know, there's lots of great information and then there's, I think, lots of information that sort of feeds into this like, you know, these are bad foods and your child should not be eating these foods. And that perpetuates, I think, some of this cycle where we see that happening. It's all about the, what are we doing most of the time? Let's try to get, you know, it's always good to say, can we introduce more more fruits and vegetables, more unprocessed foods? Are there ways that we can make that happen? And what are easy ways that like work in real life? Yes. Um, and what are reasonable expectations also? Like, don't be surprised if you, you know, cook up all these fruits and vegetables that your kids never seen before. And then they're like, what is this? Uh, so I think that that's huge. And I think that that's what makes resources like yours so beneficial for families. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we go, um, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, just um, check me out on Instagram at Family Meals First and um, leave me a message if you have a specific question about something that you would like to see. Um, I'm constantly trying to um, educate people so that next time they go to the grocery store, they can make um, smart choices for their families. So if there's a topic that you would like to see, um, please let me know. Awesome. Thanks so much, Carrie. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you today. Wonderful. Wonderful.